Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life.
Hello, everyone. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to America Meditating Radio. I had a little moment there and um, I'm glad to join you and always be present for you and for myself. It becomes um, important to me to grow into as simple and as a sincere space within my being as I possibly can. And I was on an interview with United Intentions Radio yesterday, and it was a very nice question by Tim, who hosts the show. You know, really about there's a separation between the self and your spirituality. And I was sharing with Tim, I don't think so. I think that certain inner dimensions get developed, you know, some negativity or some limitation and character gets formed. And then we start to feel divided or separated from our true sense of worth and true sense of well-being. That we feel like there's a separation. But in all reality, we are one. I am one within me. You're one within you. And um, together, if we really move well, we can make this world a much better place. My heart and good wishes goes out because of the shooting that we had in Washington, D.C. yesterday in Alexandria. Imagine this person has gotten so frustrated and so heated with what he's been observing in our political system and with our political leaders. And what was disturbing for me was to hear Republican mention on Fox News about the negativity of the left, you know, the negativity of Democrats. And this is how bad it's gotten everyone for you to understand that these folks are feeding their people to come out and shoot Congress people. It's not true. Please don't buy any more into this rhetoric. I don't know where my brothers and sisters are who are seated up on the hill right now, but you know that's not going to sell, and you're going to create a war, a civil war between your own people, not because of Democrats, not because of being a Republican, but because there's something in the spirit that is at a limited level. And it's feeding something that you think is more grand than the divinity of beauty, peace, collectivity, unity, harmony, and inclusion. This is a time for all of us to come together. And if we're so conscious and if we can go back to when we were one year old and it didn't matter what the color of a skin was or the political party that someone belonged to or how much money someone had or what gender someone has, it was just that you were soul, you were beauty, you were divinity, and you were having an experience with another. It's my plea. It's my call. For all of you who are listening out there, let's change conversation. It is not about a Democrat shooting up people. It is about a man that is so hurt about the direction in which his country is going in that his mind was overwhelmed by what he's witnessing as an American that he ended up showing or revealing the vibration that is actually being sent out there. And so to the empaths, we wish you well, because we know you must be feeling an awful lot right now. And to those who have locked their, your hearts down, that your inner world doesn't feel anymore, we feel you. And we wish you well right now. And to those of you who are awakened and are finding it an uphill challenge to stay awake, we feel you. You're listening to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. We're broadcasting from the beautiful Meditation Museum in the nation's capital. Come on down and find your Zen and your moment of silence. Please be prepared. I'm launching a new CD, Inclusion Revolution. We heard the first master track today, and this is for, I guess we can sneak through this, because even though I'm nothing near that age, but I think it's, it, it's the voice of the younger generation. I want to look at the kids between the ages of 15 to 35 who are feeling 
maybe more than what we are feeling who, you know, we've kind of lived there, been there, done that. But this meditation groove isn't the normal Zen meditation sort of music. This is a a Zen with a little bit of a beat to keep you going. You could be on your treadmill, you could be riding a bike, you could be jogging, going for a power walk. You could be moving from one meeting that was really rough to another. You could have actually experienced somebody hating you because of your gender orientation or the color of your skin. This is your CD. So look out for Inclusion Revolution by yours truly, me, Sister Jenna. And I don't usually like to push me, but I just have to tell you, we played it this morning and it's just a different. It's a whole different zone. I want to invite individuals who've been scared of meditating, who maybe might have thought meditation is for those, you know, kind of quacky people, or who might think meditation is difficult. I just want you to start to practice having uplifting thoughts while you're in motion and see where it takes you. That's what I want. That's what Inclusion Revolution is going to be about. It's going to be about bringing us closer together and not dividing us. Let's take a deep breath and do what we do best here on the America Meditating Radio, and that is to pause and turn inwards and to collect our own inner peace so that we can vibrate our light to the world. Take a deep breath from Just a Minute Meditation CD. In a light, taking just a minute, I relax my body and become aware of my inner light. I visualize each one of my thoughts weaving itself into this light. I draw from my heart the power of inner peace and the light of love. My thoughts are filled with compassion and forgiveness, patience and tolerance. Welcome back, everyone. That was Inner Light by Sister Jenti on her Just a Minute Meditation CD. You've tuned into America Meditating Radio, and I'm your host, Sister Jenna. And earlier on in the show, we threw out our good wishes and pure feelings to what's going on in our country and elsewhere in the world. It doesn't matter if you've closed your heart down, if you're an empath, or you're awakened. Good wishes, good wishes, good wishes. Healthy mind, healthy body. Healthy mind, healthy body. That's who we need to become. And today we have the best-selling author, Alexandra Jameson. As the best-selling author of Women, Food, and Desire, co-creator and co-star of the Oscar-nominated documentary Supersize Me and highly sought-after wellness expert for thousands, Alexandra Jameson has made it her mission to empower women to create epic lives by honoring their cravings and kicking body shame to the curb. Yay, Alexandra. Alex is the creator of Her Rules Radio, number one rated podcast on iTunes, where listeners from around the world 
educated and captivated by thought-provoking interviews on wellness, cravings, and more. Her work has been praised and adored by Oprah, The Today Show, Dr. Oz, Martha Stewart, Living, The New York Times, Marie Claire, amongst many more. As a lifelong learner, her wellness expertise has grown out of a decade of experience as well as her formal education. Today we welcome Alexandra Jameson. Hi, Om Shanti, and Hello. welcome to the air. Thank you so <laughs> much. Anytime, anytime. So now I can actually accept like my body's okay as it is. Yes, please do. Let's all do that, <laughs> shall we? What a different way of living. Well, my mother found a picture of me when I was about 23, no, 22, and I ran two nightclubs back in the day before I became a sister. <laughs> Don't you love that story? And I do. She, she showed me this picture, and I was like, oh, my gosh, Sister Gita, look at, look at that body. It looked perfect. And she looked at me now about 40 pounds later. She goes, it's still perfect. I go, it's good that you weren't wearing your glasses. Let us talk more about all of this. <laughs> like, Why is it that women tend to be so sensitive about the way that they look? Why is that so well, important? I have to talk about that story you just shared because I have <laughs> heard that same exact story <laughs> From so many women, myself included, I work mm-hmm. with women, you know, in their 40s and 50s and 60s, and they'll see a picture of them even 10 years ago, five years ago, and they'll say, oh, I was so cute. Why didn't I appreciate what I had? And I always mm-hmm. say, well, isn't that interesting? You could just pretend that you are 90-year-old self now and looking back on yourself and say, hey, younger me, put on the bathing mm-hmm. suit, go to the beach. <laughs> So like that. We all do that. We all do that. And why do we do that? Because we are taught from our earliest ages as little girls that our value is about how we look, how much we weigh, and whether or not our body is deemed attractive and beautiful to other people. So Mm. that's how we're raised. But in the days of the Renaissance, I mean, women that looked like me, I mean, we would be number one right now. Because the, the Renaissance woman was just, she was voluptuous. She, she wasn't twiggy. Well, women who were wealthy had enough food and they weren't working, you know, manual labor all day long. So they were the leisure class and they had enough money to eat more calories than their body expended. So being heavier, being more curvy was seen as a sign of, oh, that woman is well taken care of. She must be powerful in that way. And it's also true in different cultures around the world, different parts of Africa and Asia, you know, where a vast majority of the women are very poor or, you know, they don't have access to a lot of food then being quote-unquote overweight or being heavier or having more curves is still seen as ah, a sign of she's rich or she's married to a powerful man. So again, it still goes back to our relationship with, with men in a way. Mm. It's funny that you were saying that because back home in India, when you're heavy, it means you're healthy, you're wealthy. And back home here in America, it means you don't have discipline or you lack discipline, or you're not that attractive. And yes, it is a stereotype. It is a cultural understanding. There's no doubt about that. Now, I know that you talk about cravings. And I learned many years ago, and I could be wrong, I want to turn to you, the expert, that when I get a craving, there's a nutrient that's lacking in my system at that time. It's not necessarily that I'm hungry, 
but that there's some vitamin or some sort of a nutrient that's, that's a deficient at that moment. And that's why if I eat the wrong food, I can eat more of that food and still not feel satisfied versus eating the food that would supplement that nutrient. Does that make sense to you or is that some story I got off of the whim of somebody else's Oh, no, I love that. Who taught you that? Do you remember? It was my former assistant. (laughs) She's not here anymore, but she was so smart. (laughs) Yes, yes. So there are so many reasons why we crave, and that is one of the four foundational causes of cravings. Now, I've I've worked in in this health health and wellness world for 17 years now, starting with my own health transformation in my 20s. And I've seen through working with thousands of women that we all have cravings and all cravings are a message from the body that something is out of balance. Mm. And when you can take that perspective, you can get out of self-judgment and self-recrimination and into curious scientist mode. So I would love to talk about those four foundations. Please do. So I would love to address yours first, because that is one of the root foundations, nutritional craving, that Mm -hmm. our bodies might actually be asking for something that it's missing. Now, a lot of us are overfed and undernourished, as you were alluding to, that we certainly get enough calories, but we don't eat the nutrient-dense food that our body needs to get the the minerals and the vitamins and trace elements that all of our our physical processes need to do their jobs. So one of my favorite examples of this is that women especially can become real chocoholic, really just (laughs) crave chocolate, especially at night and especially right before their menstrual cycle kicks in. Mm. And chocolate is actually an incredible source of magnesium. And most women, especially in the Western world, are walking around magnesium deficient. And Mm. your body, in, in her amazing wisdom, your body is asking for something that she needs. And the body also knows, oh, I'm going to get a little hit of fat and sugar and theobromine, which is this amazing kind of caffeine-like substance. So it's asking for the most delicious possible source of magnesium that she knows she needs, which is pretty cool. I actually have this whole like huge chart with over 40 different nutritional cravings, everything from bread and ice and all the reasons why we crave different things nutritionally. And so if you find yourself being a real chocolate craver, Mm -hmm. Try this experiment. You can either try taking a magnesium supplement, super easy, or you can start just adding in magnesium-rich foods like hemp seeds, chia seeds, sea vegetables. Get more magnesium into your diet and see if those chocolate cravings deuce naturally. Mm. Did you ever try something like that? No, I just went for the chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) As most of us do. And I'll be honest, it's not the worst thing in the world. Now we have to look at the overall impact of our choices on our health and goals. But let's talk about the other three root causes of cravings because I find that a vast majority of the, the, I call it the diet industrial complex, the diets and the fitness experts, they only focus on one thing. They either focus on, you know, eating less or emotional eating. So, So there's the nutrition we have to look at. There's also the bacterial cravings. You know, we are as much bacterial as we are human. 
you know, estimates range from one to ten times as many bacterial cells in our body as human cells. So Mm -hmm. those bacteria are living creatures, and we have a symbiotic relationship with them. They help us digest our food. They help us absorb nutrients from our food. They actually create most of the serotonin in our gut, which is incredibly important for our neurotransmitters and moods. But when we get out of balance, either through taking antibiotics in our life, Mm -hmm. over the course of our life, or even taking things like non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like painkillers from the grocery store or taking hormonal birth control can upset the balance of bacteria in our bodies. And when Mm -hmm. the quote-unquote bad bacteria start to grow out of control, like candida is a yeast bacteria that can turn into a fungus. Women experience yeast infections, or you might have other symptoms like migraine headaches, like I did, skin outbreaks, digestive problems. Those bacteria and yeast cells crave sugar. That's what they live on. And they actually communicate with your brain and your body telling you to eat more sugar. I call them the beast within or the puppet master because they actually tell your body to go get off the couch and go to the freezer and get some Ben and Jerry's. So Mm -hmm. if if you've ever tried to go off sugar and within the first 24 hours or two days, you started to feel terrible, like the flu or like you were dying, it's because part of you is dying. Those bacteria are dying Mm -hmm. off and it feels bad. So that's a very real cause of cravings on a a microscopic level. Mm. But then there's all the other reasons why we crave, which I think are minimized and not given the respect that they deserve. And that's our emotional cravings. You know, we are emotional creatures. That is the human experience. We have fear, we have loneliness, we even have joy and excitement. And all of those emotions and feelings show up in the body. You know, you have a physical experience of your emotions. And if you have had long-standing stress, long bouts of depression, anxiety, loneliness, etc., you're going to feel what I call the static in your body. You may even notice a specific area of your body that's speaking really loudly, like, oh, stomach pain or, you know, tightness in your chest or just like an empty, hollow feeling. Well, those are emotional cravings. And your body, again, in her wisdom, is saying, okay, we feel bad. She is a, an immediate crisis prevention expert doesn't really understand long-term crisis prevention. So she's going to be like, okay, you feel terrible. Let's get some cheese and wine and you stack. Oh, you're lonely. Bread and cheese. Oh, ice cream. That's going to help the anxiety, right? (laughs) So it's a very real and a very honest reaction to discomfort that's caused by our emotions. Yes, I can get that, yeah. And the last one? And the last one is, this one's a little bit more fun and a little bit more juicy and racy, and that's our mm. physical cravings. You know, we are animals as much as we are human. You know, we have physical needs. We need to move and rest and stretch and play. We need physical touch from others. We know this innately about our children, right? When we have children or we know that we need to hold them. And we know that babies that don't get enough physical holding and cradling and touch don't develop healthy immune systems. They don't develop healthy psychology. 
And we know that now hospitals around the world are using something called kangaroo care. You know, when preemie babies are born, they know now that to put the naked baby on their parents' chest, skin-to-skin contact with the heartbeat in the skin actually helps those babies grow and thrive, makes their heart rate go into balance. So we know this. We know that when we hug other people, we release oxytocin together. So our bodies need other bodies feel good. Now, there's some scientists that say we need six to eight hugs a day of at least six (laughs) seconds in duration apiece. But Mm -hmm. like that's the the basic minimum. Mm -hmm. And most of us don't get that kind of just calming, loving touch. Mm -hmm. And, And we also need pleasure. We need joy in our bodies. And most of us as adults, especially, we don't play enough. We work out, we go to the gym, and we crush it. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have joyful movement, and we don't maybe have enough sensual, intimate connection in a way that feels really pleasurable to us. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of physical pieces that are missing. And when your body, which is designed to need and feel calmed from physical pleasure and joy and play and intimacy with other people, when you're not getting enough of that, it's like this missing piece in you that, again, the body will try to fill with cheese, chocolate, bread, alcohol, etc. Yeah, I believe in that. Mm-hmm. I believe in that. You know, in India, some of us culturally, we even eat with our hands. Some people might call it a little bit, oh, my God, bad manners. But it's really a cultural thing because there is this idea that the food already has been cooked with love. And then when you actually feed yourself with your hands, it you start to even feel the food as it's going down, like you feel it, it's connected to it. It's so interesting, Alexandra, just the cultural knowledge. Like when you travel the world, they do it in Islamic countries too. They eat a lot with their hands, feel the food. And I feel that there is something connected to emotions definitely in food that in our culture, in Indian culture, when somebody passes away or transitions, on the 13th day, there's a priest, a Brahmin priest, and they prepare the food that the soul loved the most. And I remembered asking, why do you do that? And she had said, because what pulls the soul the most is what pleased it the most, which was food. They had it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it had to please them. And then I thought about that, that even as the soul is even disconnected from its physical form, that there's still the fragrance and the importance of food, not only the way that I eat my food, but the way the food has been cooked for me, and also the way that it just went down in me. You know, and I think there is a very important knowledge where this area is concerned because we don't value the the importance of food and, and the role that it plays on our psyche. Yeah, I always say that food is the most intimate, sensual thing we do with other people yes. in public. <laughs> yeah, but that's nice. We have this while we may not be eating fast food all the time, we have this fast food culture where we rarely sit down and actually take the time to eat. We think about food all the time. We obsess about food all the time, but we rarely take the time to really experience eating. And I often get teased by everyone I know because I am the slowest eater and I 
have this reflexive habit where as soon as I, the food is in front of me, I stick my face in it to smell it. I just want to like smell the whole experience first. Part of really the sensual, using all your senses experience of food, looking at it, smelling it, really chewing it, really tasting it. I mean, it, it can and I think should be a very sensual, joyful experience. But that's, again, not mm. something that we are taught in, in this culture, for sure. I love mm. the eating of food with hands, for sure. That is such a great experiment for people to try. Yeah, especially when you're at a black tie event with a whole bunch of stuffy people. <laughs> just love it. You know what? You and I have to go out on a date and be at one of those really high saluting functions. And then we just head right on in with the food and go, isn't that good? Mm-hmm. Oh, and just observe their face. That's just going to be hilarious. <laughs> I'm in. So, I'm in. <laughs> that is so in. So power is a very big deal nowadays. And we're watching the misuse of power. And we sometimes look at power based on the role that you play or the position that you hold or how much money you've got in the bank. But I know that there's also an inner power that I know that everyone has been born and gifted with by God's love. What does it mean for a woman to um, to step into her power? I'm so on fire about this topic these days. Mm. I hear a lot of conversation and advice that you need to step into your power, but I hear very little actual tactical strategy on how to do that. Like, what does that mean (laughs) to step into your power? Well, I think it has to start with, again, what we are taught it is to be a good person. And I I work mainly with women, and so I'm going to speak to them mostly, but this does apply to a lot of men as well. We are taught to ignore our knowing from a very young age. And it starts with food and it starts with body boundaries. You know, we're taught Mm -hmm. to clean your plate and we're taught to be nice. You know, you're forced to hug adults you don't know. You're, you know, there's this tyranny of tickling and teasing that happens in a lot of families where tickling can actually be very um, invasive for a lot of children. But mm-hmm. we're taught that we're supposed to like it and don't put up a fuss and, oh, why are you taking it so seriously? So from again, from a very young age, we're taught to ignore our body and our boundaries. You know, keep mm-hmm. eating even though you're full. Go hug that person even though you don't know them. Be nice. And mm-hmm. with our truth, really. Our body tells us, no, I don't like this. But we're taught to override that. So that Mm -hmm. is where the schism begins between us and our power. We're taught to ignore it. We're taught to keep quiet. Uh, Women especially, we've seen this a lot recently. With Mm -hmm. In the Senate, we've seen Mm -hmm. the women asking questions, being shushed Mm -hmm. and being cut off for speaking. We've seen this in corporate America. Women, it, it happens every day, multiple times a day. Women being talked over or ignored. So again, it's this reinforced aspect where we're taught that our ideas don't really matter. And when we do speak up, we are vilified. Like we, again, saw in the the election cycle. Um, Mm. And I don't care what party you are from. It's really about, let's look yeah, let's look at how, yeah. how women are treated to a different set of standards. So we are, yeah. we're punished. 
for speaking our power. And sadly, we can be punished by other women, too, for the same Mm -hmm. thing. How did we get here? Because in Hinduism, there is such a reverence of the deities. We have Mm -hmm. 108 Shiv Shaktis, which are women that were governed by God's power. And I'm not using India as an example that, you know, uplifted women because now they don't. But it's interesting that if you go way back in history, it was these figures, these images of women who stood tall with their divinity and their power, where it was very clear that everyone went in front of them and bowed. There wouldn't be temples built upon them, temples upon temples built in their honor. What happened? How did we as women get to this point? We're educated, we do 10 times more than the opposite gender, and we're still vilified. And we're like, you know, and if we don't come across as harsh, it's almost as if we can't be heard. And I don't believe that. I believe the softer and more powerful my presence of silence is, it eventually silences his dominance in the way Mm -hmm. he feels he needs to get his message across. And that's where I work from here in D.C. Mm -hmm. And so how did we get here, Alexandra? Like, what did we do to end up behind Mm -hmm. and not beside or in front? (laughs) We could talk about this one topic for a semester. This is a women's studies course, basically, that really goes back to organized religion. And there were so many religions, including Hinduism, from all over the world. There were religions that are now mostly forgotten where there were female deities, where Mm -hmm. woman was honored. She was worshipped. She was respected. And a lot of those powerful women figureheads or goddesses were erased by more patriarchal religions over time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the Spanish Inquisition, the witch trials in Europe and in America, most of that was um, destroying the women who had power. And that was herbalists. It was healers. It was the remnant of that matriarchal culture that was really being stamped out. And it's, it's happened over and over again around the world throughout history. So it's evolved into this very different media image of what a good woman is supposed to be. And the line is always changing. You know, you're supposed to be thin, but not too thin. You're supposed to be, you know, honest and brave, but not too loud. So that it's like mm-hmm. you can't win. <laughs> we can't win <laughs> by those rules. So we have to start yeah. making our own. We have to start making our own. And, and when I talk about stepping into your power, I really do start with the very basics. You need to step into your power by honoring and feeling and naming your emotions. Again, we have to minimize how we feel and what we really think and what our experience is. And by naming it, telling the story, writing it down, telling safe friends how you're feeling and just experiencing it is a way to say, ah, this is how I feel and this is valid. And that's when you can begin to feel like, oh, I am, I know myself and, and it's okay to feel this way. In fact, it's, it's right to feel this way. I even talk about owning our anger that mm-hmm. while I, I'm not encouraging, you know, rageaholicism, but when we have anger, it can, we're, that's one of the, the emotions that we are taught most often to suppress. Don't be an angry yeah. woman. But when you own it, it's a way of finally stating my boundaries. Oh, I don't like this treatment. No, this is not acceptable. That's when Mm -hmm. you start to feel this is a line 
I will not cross, and this is a line across which you are not welcome. That's a powerful beginning to your boundaries and your power. I love that. On that note, I think that's a great way to come to a closure because I think you and I both know the power is there. The power is there. It's a matter of either locating it, identifying it, owning it, but also applying it, using your power that's in you, rather than getting caught up on the distractions of everything else that's not making you powerful. And it's definitely an uphill climb, but I know that it's something that's worth it for all of us. Alex, thank you so much for joining us on the air today. And um, I think you've left us with so much good that we could apply. And I think the next time I get a chocolate craven, I'm going to go find me some chia seeds. But leave us with a website that we can find you. And is there anything that you have happening um, pretty soon that we could know about? Well, you can go to herrulesradio.com. And under must-haves there, I have a really wonderful ebook that I just published. It's free. And it will help you get clear about what you're tired of doing, the stuff that you don't want in your life, so that you can get clear about what you do want. So go to herrulesradio.com and check out must-haves. Get that ebook. Oh, lovely, lovely. Alex, thank you so much and wishing you all the very best. If you ever come to D.C., come and see us at the museum. I will. Thank you so much. I'd love to have you. All right. Take good care. You too. Bye. So rise up, woman, and step into your power and believe in the best part of yourself and don't step down. Don't let anyone silence you from who you really are. You've been listening to America Meditating Radio. We have the fortune of having Alexandra Jamison, and please go to her website. And her radio show is herrulesradio.com, and you'll get some nice little gifts and, and knickknacks there. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And I want to thank the Agro Iris Foundation for supporting the show of today. And please don't forget to be ready for the Inclusion Revolution meditation CD that's coming out very, very soon. And be well. Treat yourself well. Please be safe. Take care of yourself and be as knowledgeable and respectful as you possibly can. I'll end today's show also with a song by Ricky Byers Beckwith, Ashe Ashe. Take care, everyone. The Azar Foundation for Children of the World supports organizations by providing funding for programs that enrich the lives of women and children through empowerment, health, and education. We proudly support the work of Arco Iris America, which has served more than 30,000 homeless children through social programs in Bolivia. For more information, visit our website at azar4children.org. That's A-Z-A-R-4children.org to find out more about our endeavors. Remember, the smile and the cry of a child doesn't have any language.